Welcome to Faith in the Flats, a Dolores Mission podcast. Dolores Mission is a little church with a big heart in the Russian Flats neighborhood in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. We are the birthplace of Homeboy Industries, the Guadalupe Homeless Project, Dolores Mission School, and many other life-impacting ministries. We're excited to share with you stories of resiliency, faith, love, and compassion from our community to yours. Welcome back, everybody, to our second episode of Faith in the Flats. I'm Karina. And I'm Brendan. Happy to have you all back. Good to see you, Brendan. You too. I haven't seen you in a while. I know it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> but here we are. It's good yeah. to be seen. Great. Everything good? Uh, I always am nervous about that question because everything is a lot. Uh, <laughs> but most stuff is good. Yeah. It's all good, as they say. Right. Good. Good. Well, thank you everybody who tuned into our first podcast. We are happy to bring you our second episode. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about the history of specifically where Dolores Mission is. Yeah. So I think that uh, setting some of the big picture context uh, is important because as we said, we want to tell a lot of stories in this podcast in future episodes um, but all of those stories are rooted in this place. And so if the question behind that is what makes this place special, then you have to, I think, look back and see, well, how did we get here, right? What happened in this particular place or what is it about this particular place that allows this kind of story to develop? So, yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's true uh, with our lives, right? Karina, if I asked you, uh, something about who you are, how you are today, uh, you, you'd need to tell me a story, right? Which would include some of your own history, some of where you're coming from, some of what happened yesterday, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, and I think that's also true for, for this place. And so, um, whenever people come, I always start by asking that question, where are we standing now? And people answer that question a lot of different ways. They say, oh, we're at Dolores Mission, or we're in Los Angeles, or we're in California. And I think each of those answers tells different parts of the story. But my my uh, response is always, we're standing near a river, the, the Los Angeles River is nearby. But people don't often think of that often because the Los Angeles River doesn't look much like a river. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's true. And I, I just, I think that that's an important place to start because it's a reminder that the land has an effect on on who we are as human beings. You know, um, did you grow up near a river, Karina? A river that looked like the Los Angeles River, <laughs> mostly cement. <laughs> a flood channel. Yeah, not yeah. like a river that you would see on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> but if we talk, like if we're thinking about Dolores Mission in Los Angeles and its place in Los Angeles and its place in the world in general, like starting with the river for me is an interesting place to start because it's what people came looking for something. Right, So right. anybody who comes here was looking for something. And the first peoples, the Tongva people, came uh, to this particular place probably because they realized that there was a source of water that they could use, but also that there were these hills, right? That Boyle Heights is on these little cliffs and the hills of downtown Los Angeles because uh, anybody who's lived near to a river knows that sometimes a river can flood and that can become dangerous. And I don't know. I just think that's kind of a poetic thing about 
this place that we don't often pay attention to is that the Los Angeles is really a place of opportunity, but also a place mm. of real risk. The people who come here took a risk to get here and often live here with a certain amount of risk. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate that we're talking about the first indigenous people mm-hmm. who inhabited this place. And isn't it interesting that this desire for need, for, for better, is always running through every person's veins, right? right? And it's not just the Tongva people. It's still, that need is still very much present in yeah. our, you know, in our society and as humans. Yeah, and when you talk about the first peoples, then the history flows from there. And the story will be one that long history, we're not going to tell it all today, but if we did that, you'll see a lot of places where human beings are making good decisions and human beings are not making great decisions. And I think that's part of the long history. And I think that's part of what, when I think about Dolores Mission today, is it's a place that takes all of those decisions very seriously, right? That people have made mistakes and people do great things. And both of those things can be true about the same person, that when you start with the first people as a focal point, then what happens is the way you tell the story keeps that focus on the humanity at the center of this place. So like Los Angeles is a very mediated city and people have all these big opinions about it or perspectives on it. But what it is is a collection of people, mm-hmm. you know, and different people over different periods of history have come here. So from the Tongva people, after you have the Spanish who come north with their mission project, um, after the Spanish, then the Mexico, Mexico becomes independent from Spain. So you have a Mexican period where a lot of the names in Los Angeles come from Mexican governors and, and, and legislators. And then the United States eventually takes the territory. And so you have folks come out from the east. So then you have this you know, European immigration uh, or Anglo-European immigration coming from the east. So... I, I don't know. I just think that's an interesting sort of frame to then hold up what we're going to do in this podcast, which is now this particular corner of the neighborhood, how has that, those dynamics of migration and movement and hospitality and displacement, how have those things affected this community? Uh, and just a simple sketch like we've just done of that long history from the river forward uh, gives you a sense of what's at stake, I think. Mm-hmm. And I also feel very honored just to know that like where we are standing physically right now, that the Tongva people have been here before us, Mexicans when it was Mexico, then the Spanish, and now this like this influx of new immigrants. And to think of all the stories and all the people and all their desires. I, I'm very I'm very humbled. I actually I feel really moved by just thinking of all these people who have come for opportunity or to grow. And like we're doing the same thing working at Dolores Mission and how many other of our parishioners and our students are doing the same thing. Yeah. And humility, the word literally, I'll be a very nerdy Jesuit right now, but it's literally <laughs> about the land, right? The humus, the being of the earth. Uh, that's what humility is. And so we started this podcast, I think it's with what may sound to some like a not so humble proposal, which is let's talk about how special this place is. (laughs) But I think that part of its being special is the way that what you just said, Karina, it points all of us to our humanity, where we can be fully humble 
and proud about the things that are happening here, right? So we can look back at that story and realize this place is special, not because I showed up, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. there's versions of the story that we tell, oh, the Jesuits did something really amazing here. Well, there was amazing things happening here before, long before we got here. Uh, so that humility of acknowledging that we're part of a larger history uh, is important. But then it also allows us to have our moment to say, and I did something here that nobody had done before I got here. And that dynamic of listening to people's stories over time, I think that's what that gives us the opportunity to do. Yeah. Let's fast forward. So we have the Tongva people. Mm -hmm. Mexico, Spanish. Now, let's, let's fast forward to Boyle Heights. Yeah. To the city of Boyle Heights. And... Boyle Heights was named after... Not Gregory Boyle. <laughs> Many people think, what a great honor. That's right. Sorry, Father Greg, but no. Yeah. Andrew Boyle, an Irishman, no less, uh, who purchased the, uh, the bluffs fighting in the Mexican-American War for $4,000. Wow. You couldn't get a room for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he established his home, and his son-in-law, William Workman, was the early mayor, of one of the early mayors of Los Angeles, and built the infrastructure for the area. So I am also floored to think that the beginning of Los Angeles, of our city, started in Boyle Heights. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I've heard it said, right, that the it's like the first suburb of Boyle, of Los Angeles, Boyle Heights, or the Ellis Island, right? Because Los Angeles, like we were saying, that longer history, the more modern uh, or contemporary part of that history is what we now would recognize as the city of Los Angeles, which has its prehistory, but there's something unique about that dynamic of a growing city, from being a little pueblo uh, or a village before that to be something like a, a multicultural, multilingual city, which it kind of has been from the beginning. I was just at the Natural History Museum, and they have a fascinating display about the first families. They have the literal, the names and the ethnic makeups of the first group that came to settle the, the Pueblo de Nuestra Señora de Los Angeles. And it's, it's diverse. It's mestizos and indigenous and uh, African uh, Americans. Um, just this diverse group of people showed up and tried to start something here. So Boyle Heights, like you're saying, I think, yeah, it's a fascinating place because of that, because it's kind of ground zero mm -hmm. for where a lot of that mixing and creativity start happening. Mm -hmm. And I always share with our immersion groups that come and visit that this idea, you know, that Boyle Heights was the Ellis Island of the West, that we continue to accept the immigrant here, that this is still very much a place where we bring in the newcomer or, or you hold space for the, new, the newcomer. And I can't think of a better example where we show that than with our partnership with Proyecto Pastoral and the Homeless Project, right? The Guadalupe Homeless Project, where we welcome in the stranger and house them in our church and in our school no matter where you're from. And right. so that we still continue to hold to that tenant as a community in Boyle Heights. I think it was maybe a week or two after I got here that I was asked to give a tour to somebody else. And it was like, <laughs> you're welcome. In typical, in typical DM fashion, right? You just got here, here. 
turn Ex- around, <laughs> turn around and offer what we just gave you to somebody else, you know? And I, I think it's beautiful. I think that's really, I think to receive spiritual gifts or real gifts in life, you become the giver, right? If I receive generosity, the real way to receive that is to become generous. And so here at Dolores Mission, that's that happens with hospitality all the time. People receive something and then they turn around and they give it. So the Guadalupanos who have received so much care from this community living in this church, many of them have played an active role in build, literally building the plaza, right? They help put bricks down and uh, install the statues and like they've become a part of that and build the childcare center, right? The showers that they now use were built by former Guadalupanos that were here before them. So the microcosm of Dolores Mission is, I think, Karina, like we're saying, that that larger picture of Los Angeles and Boyle Heights where there's waves of people who need something and who have something to offer, uh, and they find themselves living here in this place, you know. Mm-hmm. And now the city is predominantly Latino. Boyle Heights. Boyle yeah. Heights is. Um, Mexican-American and a growing number of Central American families. Yeah. I think that's there's an interesting shift in the history, which I don't think was moved by the good spirit. Because mm-hmm. Boyle Heights, like we said, was a mix of places. But there were some of the, the for, I don't know, the, the, the dark spirit that works on human history. So when you see things like the, the Great Depression, uh, right around the 1920s, there was a huge economic crisis, obviously. There you see kind of a deport, literal deportation, a lot of the Mexican families that had been here forever, right? Uh, or fast forward to World War II, and you get a lot of the soldiers that go off to World War II, and then the dynamic in the neighborhood shifts and the internment of the Japanese. So these these injustices or these flaws or faults in human history where we start to violence and wars and crises create a kind of tension where we we start to negate the beautiful diversity that had naturally kind of just happened here so you have the internment of the japanese you have the displacement of the mexicans in the 20s you have the zoot suit riots downtown after the war when there's this now tension and then the Construction of the freeways. The decision. Somebody had to make a decision. We have to put these freeways somewhere. Well, we're going to put it in that neighborhood because those people live there. The quality of education that leads to the the Chicano walkouts. The real estate markets that start to pull. Like I heard that was interesting the other day. It wasn't that the white Jewish community decided we'd rather live somewhere else. It was made by sort of an economic reality that said, we, we're going to start giving you loans over on, on the west side, side of LA yeah. and you can buy a house over there. So making the decision, the best decision for their families, it wasn't that they didn't like living in a multiracial neighborhood, but it was, it's, and I think that's another part of the story, right? So we tell the beautiful things that we've done, but if we also look at the ways in which the struggles in our history cause us to make certain decisions, maybe do some harm to that. So that now getting back to your point of, now it's predominantly uh, Latino community. Well, that didn't happen because somebody said, oh, we're tired of multiracial communities. It happened because these larger pressures were put on the neighborhood and it sort of shifted things around. The graceful thing that, again, our question about what makes a place special 
is when people realize that that's not the way God wanted it to be and start pulling it back again and saying, what if we made the decision to welcome everybody again? Or what if we made the decision to not have to displace somebody else in order to find what we need? And that's what I think in the real recent history of uh, Boyle Heights and Dolores Mission, that that started happening again, right? The Chicano movement that started fighting for the dignity of all people uh, in collaboration with the Filipino community, the Asian community, and others, you know? Um, But then also here at Dolores Mission, like you said in a specific way, Karina, the decision to offer sanctuary, uh, because we say Latino, but that was a plural community too, right? Mm -hmm. So largely Mexicans who maybe had their own uh, preconceptions about other Latino cultures, you know, Central Americans are not welcome. But the church community started saying, no, we're going to put a Salvadoran cross in our our church, even though we're largely Mexican-American, because the men who are sleeping in our shelter were largely from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing, just to acknowledge very, very quickly, is our changing community around us and how gentrification is really playing... I don't even know what kind, I don't even know how to classify the role. I don't know whether to love it or hate it. (laughs) (laughs) What is the in between? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard because what are you loving or hating? You know, I think that's what I would ask because it's, it's, I think gentrification is a new version of one of those outside pressures that I was just talking about that creates pressure on a community that's kind of invisible, but certain people are making decisions that affect that pressure um and it's complex right like do you do you want for more opportunity uh uh, in your neighborhood absolutely do you want upward mobility to be possible for the people who live here absolutely but at what cost to our immigrant families back to my my metaphor about the river i mean that's life from the beginning is you, you draw close to things that give you life at some risk. Uh, and that's physical risk sometimes, like water, a river when flooding can drown people. Uh, emotionally and spiritually, I think it's similar too, right? We could have said it's safer if we don't get close to people who are different than us. Or we can become vulnerable and start asking that question, well, what is it like to be that person who's different from me? Yeah, I, and I think so... All of these issues that we'll look forward to talking with different people about will touch on that dynamic of Ignatian language. We'll talk about consolation and desolation, things that are helpful spirits and things that are not so helpful. Um, but we could hold up gentrification and just say, oh, yeah, it's all bad all the time. But then we're not doing justice, I don't think, to the complexity of what's in that reality. And so... The way out of that trap, I think, is to actually have these kinds of conversations that you and I are having, Karina, and to ask the people, what is it like for you? What's your experience of it? Because when you do that, you'll find complex answers. Uh, Well, I would like for a supermarket in our neighborhood, because we've never had one. We just had liquor stores. And we would want one, especially as the community gets older. A lot of our folks down here in the flats to get to a supermarket, they have to go uphill. And if you're an old woman walking uh, or trying to get on a bus, I mean, that's, that's a real challenge. But because of the history, there's not been investment here in the flats to create a local market. So, so the, yeah, do we want that kind of development? Sure we do. 
Now, do we want to have to get evicted because we can't afford the rents now that that's happening? No. So, but when you talk to people, like we're hoping to talk to people, you'll start to get a sense of of the complexity of their lives and their decisions and their choices, right? Well, Brendan, it was lovely to go back through the history of Los Angeles. I I am fascinated by Los Angeles and the history. I actually have a history book of Los Angeles up into the 1920s. It's, I'm fascinated by it. I feel, I feel like maybe I had a past life. I don't know yeah. if I'm allowed to say that. but <laughs> I'm sure you did, Karina. I'm absolutely sure you did. You are a bodhisattva. You're reborn. But no, I think that's, it's interesting because you and I both grew up in, like we can both say we both grew up in Los Angeles. Right. We're from LA. We are from LA. <laughs> but they always say, right, anybody who's from LA knows they're also not from but not LA. Really. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, you and I live 20, 30 minutes from this point in LA and had very different experiences. Um, even though we went to sibling high schools, uh, you and I had very different experiences and had very different experiences from the folks here in Boyle Heights. But I think that going forward, that's that's a very interesting conversation for us to have, you and I, and also with the folks we're going to interview, because they'll tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be from the flats or from L.A. or from Boyle Heights. Ultimately, what it's like to be a human being that we all learn from each other. So looking at that history like we've done today is a good, it holds up something that might look different then than it does now, but we learn something about who we are now because we are held up against that history. Right. And also learning about the different times that Dolores Mission was at, or or I'm not saying that right. We're, we're relearning about Dolores Mission in different time frames, right? right? About Dolores Mission in 1988 or Dolores Mission in 1995, which looks very different than Dolores Mission in 2021. Right. Because it's a community that's alive, it's, it has a life, and that life is changing. So we're going to go back, uh, we're going to go forward to talk to some other people to look back more at some of that Dolores Mission history in our next episodes. I know I'm going to give Ellie Hidalgo a call, who uh, was a pastoral associate here for many years, and who has a lot of the stories to tell over the last 15, 20 years of working with the women in this community and being a leader in this church. Uh, and I look forward to my conversation with Ellie, who who holds a lot of those stories. Yes, and I will be interviewing in, in an upcoming episode, Rob Smith III, who has had a long history with Dolores Mission, and Proyecto Pastoral, and he was really here from the from the ground when everything started. So I'm really interested to hear his perspective. And he and his family have been amazing supporters of our work for over 30 years. I know both of them, Ellie and Rob, are both people who fell in love with this place and invested so much in it. And so they seem to us like a good place to start uh, help us, you and I, and our listeners to dig into that question. What is it about this place? Uh, and how is it that people have lived in this place in a way that makes it um, uh, special and sacred and, and worthy of our attention and our investment, I think?
Well, we look forward to these upcoming episodes and we're going to move into ending our podcast and we're going to lead you in a quick meditation just to sort of help you recenter yourself and look for the moment in your life where you're finding faith, where you're finding a heart beating in your life, in your day, in your week. And if you don't mind just taking a deep breath in and out. And in that space, just identifying a moment, a time, a word, an activity where the heart of your faith is beating for you. And for this, we say thank you and amen. Amen. Brendan, I'm going to ask, where was the heart of Dolores' mission beating for you this week? Man, I was just thinking literally this morning, coming over here, walking just across the street from my office. They say that now post-pandemic, well, we're not post-pandemic, but things are opening up and they say the traffic is back in LA, you know, people are noticing that. Well, I say there's traffic back at Dolores Mission because just from my office over here, I got stopped three times by (laughs) an organizing group that's meeting on the plaza talking about uh, working for rights for hotel workers, a woman who was trying to drop off some clothes for the shelter, Alma who was planning the talking to me about something about the first communion retreat. Uh, and then I just got stopped in my tracks by the adorable kindergartner kids outside. <laughs> so that's the the joy of Dolores Mission is when uh, many things are happening and there's a lot of traffic here. Great. And you? Do you have a? <sighs> yes. We opened up our school after almost a year of being at home. And so if the heart... Dolores mission is it in the eyes of our students when we walk them through the door I don't know what is um, it was a long time coming and um, I literally I literally could see their little eyes shining I couldn't see their smiles but I could see their eyes shining as I'm doing temperature checks and making sure <laughs> they checked it <laughs> yeah. I'm doing like the boring but um, and being with our staff, um, yeah, I just, I missed being around the kids. Crazy. Well, your heart's beating probably because you did a lot of work to make that happen. <laughs> well, not me, Evie and Juliana and the, the teachers. I have, I didn't right. do anything. I just signed off. You don't do anything. <laughs> it's true. I saw one of the little girls crossing the street with her mom yesterday. And as soon as she turned the corner around the church, she saw the school and she just turned into this like like a little puppy grabbing her backpack from her mom, ready to spring across the street and get back to school. It was beautiful. Well, thank you, Brendan. A pleasure always to yeah. get to spend, spend some time with you. Quality time. No, a little QT with Karina always uh, <laughs> fits into my week, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. We hope you have a great day. Yeah. Go find some faith in the flats. <laughs>